0: Sorry, I didn't. I, it was meant to be a surprise. I had like a whole idea of having what? like a hat and party poppers, and then I didn't have anything, so just I just shouted at you because you're back. What even was that? Well, it was meant to be a surprise thing. Thank you, but uh... out of ten, how much do you miss me? Eight. Honestly? Yeah.
1: Didn't even think about you. Sorry, like that's harsh, but I, I was
0: busy, mate. Busy. I'm just gonna give Alex Lowe a call. ESPN head in the game. Yes, this is Head in the Game, the podcast that sends you on a whistle-stop tour of one of the week's major sporting events. Now, I'm Jamie Lang, and in today's show, we look ahead to UFC Fight Night at the O2 this weekend. Now, back with us after her break is the very talented Rachel Stringer. Thanks for a lovely introduction. You've been off for a week. Where were you? What were you doing? Were you having fun?
1: I have, yeah. I've been off. I went to uh, Munich, a uh, München. Oh, München? wunderbar! Yeah, I went to Munich. Uh,
0: no, we- no, 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 hold on. Eins, vi-
1: right i don't do german don't well. do any languages that's really poor anyway yeah in munich um meeting christian ziger um for a champions league show that i'm doing uh, yeah. yeah it was great
0: just while you were away i was checking your bio oh
1: okay. gosh I stalking wasn't... me what what have you uncovered
0: firstly i wasn't stalking you okay that wasn't stalking i was just doing it just because i wanted to understand who i talk with i didn't realize you had a lot of success as a, a young 800 meter runner yeah. I find that you once finished second to the current Olympic champion, Casta Semenya, in the Commonwealth Games. Youth Commonwealth Games. Well, let's just cancel out the youth bit, just put the games in I now. love
1: that you said that. Let's take it. Yes, silver medalist in the Commonwealth Games. No, so it was youth. Can in- I just
0: say something? That okay. is so impressive.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, gosh, it was quite a long while ago now. Um Went to India, went to Pune in India. It was kind of pre... Uh, The Commonwealth Games in Delhi, so we kind of had the um, post-Commonwealth youth games there just to check out if it worked. Awesome, yeah. Um, Came second, was pretty proud of myself. Third place was Lindsay Sharp, who still runs for Team GB.
0: And you just gave it up?
1: Didn't just give it up. I had a lot of injuries... Went to university, you can uh, fill in the gap there. But I mean, if my mum is listening, mum, it was because I got injured a lot, not because I partied too much. I
0: was an 800 metre runner.
1: Oh, were you? Yeah. Time, please.
0: Two minutes, 12 seconds.
1: I mean, that sounds more like 900 metres at a time like that.
0: Anyway, uh, let's get on to this weekend's UFC Fight Night at the O2 and speak to ESPN's Chamatka Sandu. Chamatka, are you there? I am,
2: I'm indeed. How you doing?
0: Where are you joining us from?
2: Toronto, Canada. I just recently moved here about four months ago now, so uh, I still miss London, but Toronto is where I'll be spending the rest of my days, I believe.
0: Canada, Canada.
2: <laughs>
1: In true British fashion, how's the weather over there? Is it better than here?
0: Minus 20
2: There's snow everywhere, and I just can't wait until the summer already.
1: So, Chamatka, for those people who don't know a huge amount about UFC, we'd like to get a bit of an overview. Let's start with the basics. How does mixed martial arts differ from boxing?
2: Sure. So obviously boxing, you're just using your hands. You can kind of punch the waist up, so the body, the head. You can win by knockout, TKO, you can win on points. That particular combat sport takes place in a 20 by 20 ring. In MMA, it takes place in a cage, or in the case of the UFC, an octagon and pretty much anything goes uh with the exception of groin shots poking the eyes uh fish hooking the mouth and an array of martial arts on display here from boxing taekwondo kickboxing grappling wrestling jujitsu and also with boxing it's usually you know 10 11 or 12 three minute rounds whereas an mma and the ufc Every fight is three five-minute rounds except for main events. Main events and title fights are five five minute rounds so again there's a massive disparity in terms of the type of conditioning um, fighters that compete in MMA have to get into what kind of shape they have to get into versus say a boxer in MMA obviously you can win by knockout TKO you can obviously win on the judges scorecards but also you can win via submission either a verbal tap out a physical tap out or the opponent just being choked unconscious
0: and UFC is like the premier class of MMA right
2: Absolutely. So the UFC definitely have the lion's share of the best fighters in the world under contract. They just celebrated their 25th anniversary last year. They definitely have the biggest brand exposure around the world. Of course, there's a a litany of MMA promotions around the world in the US, in the UK, Europe, Asia. When you think about MMA, you think of the three letters, the UFC, they've done a fantastic job in just kind of breaking into markets, growing their brand in markets, really helping to um, help pass legislation and regulation in the sport. MMA was completely banned and illegal in New York, for example, in New York State, up until just a few years ago. And then finally, you're now seeing some amazing events being held in Madison Square Garden. So that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of who the market leader is in this sport.
1: Absolutely. And then on to the event that we're talking about, which is next week. I guess it's fair to say that this is the best UFC lineup the UK has pretty much ever seen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the, the the fighters, the caliber of fighters on display, the number of British fighters on display, top to bottom, from the very first preliminary bout all the way up until the main event, hands down, top to bottom, this is the best card um, that the UFC have ever put on in the UK. Now, there have been perhaps some more important singular fights that have taken place in the UK. Obviously, the one that comes to mind is Dan Henderson versus Michael Bisping, where Michael Bisping was a UFC middleweight champion and defended his title against Dan Henderson, and that was a pay-per-view event that took place in manchester just a few years ago but if you just take the the singular fight equation and put that to a side top to bottom or hands down this is an incredible card
0: but for anyone who's never been to the usc event can you just sort of describe the format and what atmosphere they'll be going on at the o2
2: obviously you've got all these cards you know you've got the preliminary cards that take place and and i think the key difference between the, the fan experience at an mma or a ufc uh, specific event is versus boxing i've been to a bunch of boxing cards both in the uk uh, and in vegas i've been to mayweather fights before as well and typically the boxing crowd usually kind of turns up fairly late up until maybe a co-main event or just kind of get into the arena just for the main event whereas the way mma fans and the culture of MMA has kind of grown over the years. Everybody likes to be there from the very first fight. All of the fighters on the particular card in London, you know, they're from the Midlands, Liverpool, London. They're going to have so much local support anyway. But the kind of I suppose culture of MMA fans is to be there from the very first fight. So what you, what happens there is is when you get into the building, there's already a great atmosphere, and the UFC do a great job of kind of you know utilizing all the bells and the whistles when it comes to the production inside the arena, when it comes to music and, you know, how they kind of use the screens and it's a good time.
1: You get so excited talking about the event. I absolutely love it. But Which explosive matchup at the O2 should people look out
2: for? 100% the main event. Darren Till, Jorge Masvidal. For folks that perhaps don't know much about the background here, Darren Till is coming off uh, a loss. He was fighting for the UFC Welterweight Championship. He lost to Tyron Woodley uh, last year. He was on the verge of becoming only the second British uh, champion in UFC history after Michael Bisping. I spoke to him, I was in London about a month back at the official press conference to promote this particular event in the O2 Arena. And Darren Till just called his performance embarrassing. For him, you know, he's coming into this fight... With a lot to prove, just to show to everyone that hey, look, you know, I had a bad night, but I'm still one of the best, you know, fighters in at the 175 pound weight class, and you know, I can't wait to show everybody what I'm able to do. And adversely, you've got somebody in Jorge Masvidal. Now, for long-term fans, not just of Combat Sports, but even if you're just a fan of YouTube, you may remember the kind of Kimbo Slice backyard fighting era emanating from Florida, and Jorge Masvidal was a part of that crazy scene. He was a legitimate street fighter. And so he's kind of turned his life around, you know, just being, you know, a backyard brawling street fighter, being one of the best fighters in MMA, competing at the very highest level in the UFC. And both of these men have a litany of knockouts on their resume. So this is going to be an all out action packed fight. And I don't believe this is going to go to the distance.
0: How would you describe Darren Till's fighting style?
2: He's an action fighter. Now, I I say that with a bit of an asterisk. Now, if you look at his resume, you know, he's got so many knockouts and TKOs um, and he tends to finish his opponents. But what he's done over the last couple of years is actually also display some very high fighter IQ. Case in point, last year when he fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who comes from a, a point kickboxing background, he fought him in Liverpool, which was an incredible scene in its own right. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is very much a counter striker. He waits for you to make the first move before he then is able to counter you and then you're in serious trouble. And what everybody saw in that particular fight is Darren Till take his time, he measured his approach and he won the fight on the judges' scorecard. Whereas everyone perhaps going into the fight thought, oh, here we go, Darren Till, action fighter. He's going to be all guns blazing and trying to knock out Wonderboy Thompson. But that's exactly what you're not supposed to do. And so that was a huge moment in my Eyes particularly to see okay, this 26 year old is actually displaying some very high fight. try he's deploying the correct strategy versus the opponent that can bring some you know very complex and interesting things to the octagon. So, that all being said, for this particular fight, I think we're going to see traditional old school Darren Hill. I think he'll move forward, um, and he's going to hope to ha- you know land either the left or right hand on Mazadelf's chin and knock him out.
1: Other Brits to look out for as well at the O2 uh, who should be watching.
2: I've got a, a big eye on Leon Edwards. Um, he's uh, a brummy from the Midlands. Um, he actually won in the O2 Arena uh, last year when the UFC came to town. Um, he's on a great win streak at the moment. And in fact, something everyone should try and just pay a little bit of attention to is perhaps some of the underlying tension and rivalry that seems to be brewing between him and Darren Till. So the backstory here is Leon Edwards won in London last March and then immediately in the post-fight interview called out Darren Till. Obviously, we know that Darren Till then went on to fought and lose against Tyron Woodley in the championship fight. But then going back to the press conference in London uh, just about a month ago, Things got tense between the two of them. There's lots of jawing backwards and forwards. So I think we could be seeing the seeds being sown here for almost like a battle of Britain. The Midlands against Merseyside, Liverpool against Birmingham. And I think if Leon Edwards performs well and gets a big win over Gunnar Nelson, who is absolutely no joke, that's a hell of a contest, a tough matchup for Leon Edwards. And if Darren Till uh, beats Jorge Mazdell, I think perhaps they could collectively force the UFC's hand and get them to bring a second event back to England where those two could perhaps headline the show. Now, whether that's back in London, whether that's in Birmingham, whether that's in Liverpool, regardless of where that perhaps could take place, that would be fantastic for the fans here because the UFC doesn't tend to bring too many shows to the UK. You maybe get one or two a year, and it'd be great for them to get the exposure to Brits headlining a UFC card in England. It doesn't get better than that.
1: And how do you expect the other Brits to get on in this competition? Uh, in particular, Nathaniel Woods and Molly McCann. They're both joining us on this show a little bit later.
2: Absolutely. So, Nathaniel Woods, you know, he is almost like the protege of Brad One Punch Pickett, um, who is one of the most iconic and beloved fighters from London. Um, he's got off to a great start, not only his MMA career, but his UFC career. Uh, he's young, uh, but everyone seems to kind of think that he could be one of the next big stars to emerge from England. He's got a great look. He seems to have taken to the media very well, uh, and he seems to enjoy the spotlight as well. And then Molly McCann, fantastic story. Again, you know, look, we don't have have too many british female fighters in the ufc molly mccann is a part of this generation of fighters that are emerging from liverpool a massive burst of fighters that have come from that whole region over the last couple of years spearheaded by darren till so this is going to be a huge moment for her things didn't go her way on her ufc debut she lost there uh, but i know she's kind of been eager to kind of get back and again to perform in the nation's capital is a massive moment for her and i'm expecting her to do big things as well
0: Do you think MMA is more popular than ever in the UK?
2: Without a doubt. I think the biggest indicator of how big a sport is in any country can be signified by who is broadcasting the sport. So if you look at the UFC, right now they've got this great deal with BT Sport. They just re-upped their deal for another three years. And then if you look at their rival, Bellator MMA, Bellator just struck two deals. One with Channel 5 Where Channel Five is going to be airing all of their European Fight Night series and and some you know US cards as well, and at the same time they also just struck a, a deal with Sky Sports, which is just fantastic. Now Sky Sports are going to be showcasing a number of Bellator events prime time. You know, I think the biggest challenge for MMA fans in the UK is, okay. for the big fights, you have to stay up until 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. And that's just the norm. I did it in the 90s when, you know, it was Tyson and Lennox Lewis and and Holyfield and almost graduating into becoming an MMA fan. That's just become the norm. But now, with so many more events being held in the UK and Ireland and, and in Europe, we're getting a lot more cards in prime time, but also being broadcast in prime time, which is where you're going to see the biggest explosion of new fans drawn into the sports. That's huge. BBC Sport Online and BBC Radio 5, I believe, just struck a deal with the UFC to have John Gooden and Dan Hardy provide alternative British commentary live. That's massive for the UK.
1: So it's getting so much coverage, and obviously we've had the world champion Michael Bisbing, and we've had Darren Till, like we've just mentioned. Have all those factors contributed to the calibre of the UK MMA fighters just getting better and better?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, Michael Bisping, he literally carried the heavy water, quote unquote, so to speak. You know, when nobody would give the sport any time of day in the UK, when no media outlets would want to you know, cover the sport, just thought it was barbaric and just human cockfighting. Michael Bisping, along with Dan Hardy and a bunch of others, but Michael Bisping, he was definitely leading the pack there, was the one that was preaching to everybody and, you know, taking all the, the tough questions and speaking to the media, doing lots of PR and publicity for the UFC, um, and really helped educate a lot of folks who just thought that it was this kind of, you know, blood sport. And since then, like I said, he's headlined so many shows in the UFC in the U.K., also then goes on to become champion. When you have a a nation that can have a champion represented in the sport, there's a trickle down effect. There's so many great gyms from Liverpool to the Midlands to London. um, There's so much emerging talent. 10 years ago, if there was a good British prospect or talent that was bursting onto the scene and fighting in the UFC, that fighter, and this includes Michael Bisping, would typically go to the US for a camp or join a team in Florida or California to round out their game. That's all changing now. So many British fighters are staying at home because you've got some great coaches, some great training partners. Now you've also got so many events in the UFC in Bellator and also the regional circuit where you can actually start to build up a resume and get uh, some consistent fights. So the scene from the grassroots level all the way up until the top, the mainstream with the UFC, it's very, very healthy in the UK
0: right now. Jemekka, thank you so much. You got me super excited for the weekend. I can't wait for it. Um, No worries. You know your stuff, man. Hell. Okay, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. You're welcome, guys. Take
0: care. Bye-bye. Rachel, you're going to love this part. And don't hold your breath, you know. Why? What's happening? It's the history of the UFC in 60 seconds. UFC stands for Ultimate Fighting Championship.
1: It was started in 1993 by jiu-jitsu legend Rory and Gracie to promote his martial arts school in California.
0: The first event featured karate, boxing, kickboxing and other disciplines. Rory's younger brother Royce won it with his jiu-jitsu skills despite being the smallest competitor.
1: Early events had no weight classes. At the third one, martial arts expert Keith the Giant Killer Hackney fought sumo wrestler Emmanuel Yarbrough despite being nine inches shorter and 400 pounds, yes 400 pounds lighter he won.
0: An early UFC slogan was there are no rules. That was really true? Not quite. For instance, eye gouging was always banned, but you could headbutt, hit your opponent in the groin and fishhook. That is, put your fingers in your opponent's mouth or nostrils and rip his flesh.
1: UFC gradually cleaned up its act. For example, fishhooking, headbutting and groin striking were all banned and gloves were introduced.
0: In 2001, UFC was sold to brothers Frank and Lorenzo Fertitta and former amateur boxer Dana White. The trio's company was called Zuffa, which is Italian for to scrap.
1: They bought the sport instantly mainstream emphasizing the safety of mma mixed martial arts
0: ufc is now seriously big business it's shown in 165 countries having bought it for two million dollars in 2016 Zuffa sold it for four billion. Start the clock! billion all right i'm very excited because we are going to talk to one of the fighters who are on the bill for this weekend's clash it's nathaniel wood nathaniel how are you
3: I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm uh, starting to cut weight now, so, you know, I'm getting a little bit uh, moody and miserable as such with the weight cut, but, you know, I'm buzzing to be on this London card and I can't wait to get on the show.
0: I I wish I could cut weight like that. I find it too hard. Uh, This is your third fight for USC. Now, talk us through your career, your journey, how you got to this point.
3: Well, I first started originally training when I was 16 years old. I went along with my dad who was training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time. I wanted to go along and see what I thought of the sport because I'd always wanted to do a sport for a living and if I'm honest, I'd have had enough of being on a building site and it probably had only been a month since I'd started work. And I went along, was like a duck to water and I've never looked back. You know, I had my first semi-pro fight when I was 18 years old. Went undefeated and then turned pro when I was about 19. Had a few pro fights. Signed to a show called Cage Warriors, which is uh, one of the biggest European shows and won a world title on there. Made my UFC debut in June last year. Won a bonus and then fought again in December and got another finished win.
1: You make it sound so easy. It's definitely not.
3: <laughs>
1: and Daniel, what's been your most impressive fight, and what you're most proud of so far?
3: Well, I'd say my most interesting fight was one I had in Cage where it was with a uh, Welsh guy called Josh Reed. And the reason why I say that is because there was a lot of back and forth with the fight. It was in the first round. He caught me with a big shot, and you know he had me doing the chicken dance, and you know he had me all over the place for about a minute, a minute thirty seconds. And then, you know, I I turned it around and ended up getting the TKO win in the first round. The thing with that fight is it went viral. Uh, It's a bit unfortunate that it went viral because half of it's of me getting an absolute kicking. But, you know, it got millions and millions of views. And, you know, that was definitely a fight I I was proud of as such because, you know, it showed that I was able to dig deep when the going gets tough.
1: And how far do you want to go? What is the aim? You're obviously in UFC now, done three fights. Where do you see yourself?
3: Of course, you know, I want to be UFC bantamweight champion. You know, that's the end goal. Well, for for now anyway, you know, I believe I can achieve that. And when I do, you know, I'll be looking to uh, be that pound for pound number one. But for now, you know, I'm I'm in the UFC. I just want to keep winning, make my country proud and, and my friends and family and just, Put on a good show for everyone, and you know if eventually I can get a shot at the title, it'll be a dream come true.
1: Absolutely, and your next opponent is the Mexican Jose Canones. Am I saying that right? Hope I am. Yes, how that, do your styles? That's it. Oh, there we go. Thank you. How do your styles differ? Well,
3: he's a lot taller than me. That obviously, I guess, works in his favour if he knows how to use that range, but. He's very similar to my last guy. So for me, training hasn't stopped for the last six months. I've been kind of training for the same guy. He's southpaw, he's very tall, got long limbs. If I'm honest, without sounding arrogant, I don't see him beating me in any area. I've got better striking than him. I believe I've got better wrestling than him, and I believe I'm better on the ground. For him, you know, I think that he needs to hope that I make a mistake, which, believe me, I'm not going to...
1: How did that fight come about? Because I know sometimes you get called out on social media. How did this particular one come about?
3: Well, this one was unusual. I never had heard of him, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. But I was having back and forth on Twitter with other opponents who were saying, yeah, we'll fight and let's get it on. And so I was waiting for the UFC. I thought they would have given me one of those guys. But yeah, they just sent my manager the name and... When my manager said it to me, you know, I just accepted the fight before I even looked him up. You know, I believe that I'm one of the best in the world in this division. So whoever the UFC send over, I always just say to my manager, send the contract with it.
1: I want some of your confidence.
0: Yeah, I love that talk. (laughs) Nathaniel, tell me, if you get the contract sent over, how much do you research the style of your opponents before fighting them?
3: If I'm honest, I don't really look into them much at all. Even this guy, I've only seen half of one of his fights. But what I do is I send it all over to my coaches and they dissect it. They really look into it and they look at what my game plan needs to be. And, you know, for me, I just have a quick look just to kind of see who I'm fighting, what the guy looks like, pretty much it. And, yeah, I let my coach do the training camp for me. They tell me what they want me to do. And, you know, I don't like to focus too much on the opponent as such. I like to just make sure I'm ready and, you know, I'll bring my A-game and let my opponent try and figure me out.
0: I love that. So you just basically just go into it, just going, right, your trainers kind of coach you into what they're like. What do you do for a typical training day? What does it look like and and how grueling is it?
3: Well, a typical training day like today is... Two sessions, but I also put a run in between that now as well, just to help get the weight down. But this morning, you know, I had wrestling, so it was about an hour and a half to two hours a session. We warmed up, done some technique and drills, and then sparred. After that, a couple of hours later, I went for my road run. As I say, that's just a real slow session just to to help get the weight down. And then this evening, I had work with my dad, who's been my coach ever since I started. (laughs) That's definitely a tough session, especially, as I say, when I'm such low calories, it's definitely a killer.
0: Nathaniel, talk me through the fight night. I want to get into your emotions, okay? So it's fight night. You're there. You're ready to walk out. The octagon is there. Your crowd is going crazy. What are you feeling? What are your emotions?
3: For me, I just feel pure adrenaline. Up until that fight, obviously it's been about 10 weeks of nothing but hard work all for that one moment. And then when you're actually walking out and seeing thousands of people cheering your name or if not booing, it's a strange feeling, but it's a good one. You know, you come out there and it's like a tunnel vision. I could have my best mate or my family members right in front of me and I won't notice them because all I'm fixated on is the cage and walking in and facing my opponent. I always like to get my coach to give me some slaps before I go in. So any sort of nerves or if I'm thinking about anything, you know, he kind of slaps that out with me and I'm just ready to fight at that point. And then after the fight, man, that's a good feeling. When you've got a win and you look up and you just see thousands of people cheering and you know that that 10 weeks was all worth it, that is a feeling that is priceless.
1: You just said the adrenaline's going, the feeling's amazing. I bet you can't sleep, can you, that night?
3: No, definitely not. Especially if you look at your phone, you know, I go on my phone five minutes, I'll see about a thousand messages and you're hooked to it saying thank you to everyone and you close your eyes and you're sky high. You know, you never get any sleep that night and the next day you definitely have to make up for it.
1: And then how long does that feeling last for until you're like, right, where's my next fight?
3: Usually for me within about... Two or three days, you know, I just want to get back in the gym, which is always a funny one because that whole month lead up where you're on low calories and you just, all you want to do is get the fight done and have a break. But two or three days of doing nothing and I'm ready to do it all again.
0: How much does the fight take out of you? What's worse, physical like, emotional?
3: I would definitely say emotional in the fight camp, that is, because obviously it's about 10 weeks where, in a way, you don't really have a life. You know, all you can do is train, and, you know, if your weight's good, you can go out for a meal every now and then, but, you know, it's strictly no alcohol. So any time my mates are dying out partying or, you know, you can't do any of that, so I had to sacrifice that for a lot of years. And, yeah, you know, it just literally, you have to make the fight your life. I would definitely say that it mentally takes it out more. You know, physically, I'm usually touch wood. I'm doing all right. I haven't got any injuries or anything like that.
1: A lot of fighters as well. I guess they have their own styles. And what about you? What's your trademark finish?
3: Well, for me, I definitely trust myself as a striker, even though I started with grappling. I believe the fans and the crowd, they want to see stand-up fights more. You know, people like to see knockouts. So my main intention is I want to be entertaining. For me, I like to come out and strike, and I like to have a fast-paced fight. If there's been about 10 seconds where me and my opponent are engaging, then I'm straight back in his face, and I'm, and I'm looking for that finish.
0: Your nickname is The Prospect. How did that come about? <laughs> Well, it was
3: actually me and my dad was watching a show called Sons of Anarchy. I uh, love that they show. they had the prospects on there. And, and I thought, what was, I didn't really know the meaning of the prospects. And when I looked it up, it said uh, people that will achieve do well in what they're doing. And when I it came to my semi-profile, my dad said to me, well, put down the prospects on your nickname because that's what you are. And it's stuck ever since. A lot of people have said to me, you know, you need to change the name now. But, you know, I I definitely think that'll be sticking with me till the end of my career.
1: I mean, it's working, so do not change it. Please don't change it. We love it. (laughs) I won't. (laughs) Absolutely. And finally, obviously, you're a Londoner. Where are you from in London?
3: So I live in Malden, which is south London.
1: Main training gym is actually
3: north London, Tottenham House Station. So I spend the majority of my hours there.
1: So you are a Londoner through and through. And what is it going to be like fighting at the o2 it is gonna be an
3: absolute dream that's the one place that i wanted to fight from the very start of my career and you know it's a good feeling to finally be on there and be on the main card
0: well Nathaniel, if you deserve it if you want these things to happen they normally happen so you deserve every single thing we wish you all the best of luck thank you so much for joining us cannot wait to watch you win
1: we'll be rooting for you, you Nathaniel. thank you so
0: much i appreciate it <laughs> Hey, Rachel.
1: Yes, Jamie. Uh,
0: You love football, don't you? Of course. Okay, what about playing football? I dabble. What about watching football in the pub? Jamie, is there a point to these questions? Yes, obviously there is. Okay, what if I was to say there's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to actually play at a famous Premier League ground such as Anfield or St James's Park? Go on. Okay, well, get this. The BT Sport Pub Cup is all about celebrating grassroots football. It's about giving local football teams the chance to showcase their skills in a prestigious tournament.
1: Interesting. What about a women's competition?
0: Absolutely. They've introduced one this year, and every team that enters also gets a free kit for next season.
1: Okay, sounds amazing. How do I enter?
0: Okay, it's super simple, ready? All you've got to do is sign up for your local BT Sport Pub before the end of March. You'll find more details by searching for BT Sport Pub Cup.
1: I'm
0: in. Rach, I'm very excited because I love getting feedback. Okay, big shout out to every single person who sends us comments.
1: We love hearing from you all. And the first one is Debbie in San Diego. And she says, following on from last week's suggestion of an episode dedicated to great sporting failures, which followed the previous week's suggestion of great sporting injuries, which followed our great sporting rivalries episode, how about a show about great sporting injuries? Animals. Debbie says she's an animal lover, and she doesn't think they get enough credit in sport.
0: Wow. I mean, wow. I didn't see that one coming, Rachel.
1: Well, obviously, there's plenty of horses and dogs and... OK,
0: what about fish? Do they count? I mean, angling, OK, bear with me, is a very popular sport.
1: Should we stick to mammals?
0: OK, pigeon racing.
1: Not a mammal, Jamie. Pff,
0: or define a mammal.
1: I think we're probably getting off the point... Debbie, it's an interesting and possibly controversial idea. We'll have to have a think about it. Here's one from Tom in Winchester. He loved the episode about NFL Combine, especially the contest between Rachel and Jamie, hosted by The Voice. And Tom asks, who is The Voice? Could he record my alarm clock wake-up call on my voicemail?
0: <clears throat> well, firstly, here's my best friend. So, Voice? Yes? Look, could you very kindly do Tom's wake-up call? Tell him to call my agent. But he doesn't know who you
4: are. (laughs) Very well. Um... Thomas, wake up. Dear boy, rise and shine. Another day awaits. Tom, get out of bed. Now, Tom, Tom. Calm down, voice.
0: Oh, sorry. Femi from Lagos has loved our previous basketball shows and wants to know when the next one will be.
1: Well, Femi, not long to wait now because we will be covering the March Madness event next week, so make sure you join us for that one.
0: That is right.
1: Keep your feedback coming. We love hearing from you. And remember, we are on Facebook, Head in the Game podcast.
0: What about tortoise? No.
2: ESPN,
0: Head in the Game.
1: Right, let's talk to another fighter on the UFC Fight Night Bill. It's Molly McCann. Hey, Molly, how are you doing? I'm brilliant, how are
0: you? I'm good, thank you. Molly's so good. Molly, I need to ask you a quick question. How did you get into MMA? I was in
5: a nightclub. I got sent home because I was too drunk. And I came home and Ronda Rousey was fighting Liz Carmouche for the bantamweight title. I sent my coach Paul an email saying, I want to be like that Ronda Rousey there and there. At like five o'clock in the morning, and then the next day I joined the gym, and that was six years ago on the 23rd of February. I think.
1: Did you face any obstacles getting into it uh, because you're a woman? No, not really. I think I come from
5: amateur boxing, I'm from football uh, before I started MMA. MMA is the only thing that's been treated me with pure equality since I've started, since I was a kid. Certain things that's opened me with open arms all around the world. I've never had an issue, not
1: yet. Gosh, that's interesting. You mentioned there Ronda Rousey. Do you think the likes of Ronda yeah. Rousey made it easier for you and other women to get involved in MMA? 100%.
5: I'm a product of the Ronda Rousey era. Without her, I would have never done this. Without her and the way she did it, and how emphatically she did it, no other girls would have really been like, oh, I really want to do MMA And when Amanda Nunes fought it, I'm pretty sure Amanda said to her, thank you, because of you, we can do
0: this. And Molly, tell me, what is your fighting style? And like, and do you have, like, a trademark finish?
5: My style, push them to the fence, punch the them, make
1: them breathe, then finish them. Brutal there, Molly. I'm just being honest, that's what I do. I love it, I love it. I can't wait to watch you as well. What's your trademark finish?
5: My Uncle John calls me, like, The Matrix. So, like, I just literally don't stop punching. I know when to go time and I know when to hold back. So I know when I can, like, hit the single shot. And then I know when I can punch with about 50 punches. And when I see the opening I'm when to see the opponent finishing. Killed him with about 60 strikes, to be honest. And then to TKO, all the referee stopped the fight.
1: How disappointing, though, was it to lose your first UFC fight? And even more so, maybe because it was in Liverpool. Do you
5: want me to set the scene? yeah.
1: Four months prior to UFC Liverpool, little old Molly gets a phone
5: call saying she's headlining Cage Warriors Liverpool in Liverpool Echo like Arena for the world title, right? Molly goes out and wins the world title in devastating fashion in the way she said she was going to do it, in the round she said she was going to do it, play by play how she said she was going to do it. She's then gallivanting off in she living the good life, comes back home, she's in the bath, and she's sitting on the toilet, then she gets a phone call off a manager who's recorded it while she's sitting on the toilet, telling her she gets in the UFC. It's written in the stars that she's gonna go out and absolutely obliterate her opponent. Oh no, she doesn't, (laughs) she loses. And she gets put to sleep in the same space as she won the World Title four months or three months prior. Let me just tell you, it was the most horrible horrible thing I've ever had to. Endure in my life, but it was also the best thing that I've ever had to go through because of my made me who I am and I'm on the other side of it Because of that humbling experience, the pain and the post traumatic stress have been put in front of X amount of people. I'm ready and I'm the full package to go now.
1: That story actually made me go a little bit goosebumpy, actually. Um, and Molly, you kind of struggled after that. You just alluded to that. How have you come back and how did you get that confidence ready for the O2 fight? A lot of people were saying
5: that my jiu-jitsu game wasn't strong enough, this, this, this and this. I was literally, for a hundred days, didn't pick up a punch, uh, put my boxing gloves, didn't punch a bag, didn't punch anyone's face. I just did jiu-jitsu twice a day, every day for a hundred days. And then I entered three or four competitions, got a couple of gold medals. And then just before Christmas, I got my paper belt in jiu-jitsu and... I'm capable of tapping black belts now and not getting tapped by black belts. So, my coach said, I'm not putting you back in until you can tap a black belt and not get tapped. And then for me... That was the nod then. Like, because I've done it, I know that I can get in there. The same thing's not gonna happen again, my confidence. I don't have to hold back when I'm striking. Because if you get to a really good wrestler or drop if you're a striker you have to make sure you don't kick low in case you catch your leg and take you down and there's loads of different stuff that you can't do, but now where they're giving a fighting fuck, it's just like do whatever you want to me because I'm gonna punch your head in. and if you take me down I'm gonna pop straight back up and punch your head in again.
0: Do you think the whole experience of being put to sleep and the whole experience you felt in your hometown, do you think this has made you stronger?
5: There's no fear of a place than down that I could have got from that moment, do you know what I mean? The only way was up, me, so do you know what I mean? I've spent hundreds of hours on that mat since that fight. I've not done really too much different to what I've always done. I've just had an extremely stronger focus on one area. I don't feel like I'm going to be beat for a very, very long time. Because no one's invincible and everyone's got a number. do you know what I mean? It's not like boxing where you can just pad your record and everyone's got the number. And stylistically, you're going to come up against people who their style will beat your style. It doesn't mean they're a better fighter, but their game plan out yours. So I just think I'm at a level now where I've leveled up and people aren't going to be able to deal with that.
1: And Molly, I've read as well that it's not just been about all the, the training that you've put in, that you've changed your diet a bit as well?
5: Yeah, um, I'm working with John Moore University. I'm with a different nutritionist called Paul Reed. So the last fight, like, I was given about five weeks on the UFC debut to drop £34. So it was never going to be a great performance because i having to lose that much weight. This time, we've been given a lot more notice and the strength and conditioning and nutrition's a lot different. And I'm sitting about £5 over now. And I was £5 over about three hours before I had to get on the scales before, so we are flying.
1: And what benefits have you seen from that as well? Does it make you feel a much better athlete? Feel good, look good. You know if you've had a sunbed, your hair done
5: and your nails done and you go in a night pounds, you're going to feel amazing. So if you're a fighter and you've got shoulders popping, quads are popping, your bum looks good and you've got a sick pack and everyone's complimenting you, And then you start training better. It's it's a little bit of a placebo play. The numbers don't lie. And I've literally just finished the second year at the beginning of camp. My one rep max on a squat was 105. I've just squatted three sets of five of 110. My weight is 60 kilos. So I don't know. I'm just a whole different athlete. I got to the elite level of half. And now I'm at the elite level. We've added size. And you're just going to see a horror movie go.
1: Oh, I love it. I love how, like, obviously, you're, you're looking good, you're feeling good, you sound super confident. But your next opponent is Priscilla Catuera. How do you plan on defeating yes. her?
5: So, she's like a Brazilian version of me. doesn't back down. She wants things. She's a brawler. She's just like a Brazilian scouser, really.
1: Is that not even more uh, difficult, yeah. then, that you're quite similar?
5: Well, she's going to come at me wild but I can't be like that now. I've got to chop down the tree. When I see the moment, go for it. So she's never been finished with punches. She's only been finished once by the champion of the division. And for me, if I could finish me quicker than the champion, then that's a bit of a statement for me. We've got a game plan. And after the fight, you'll you'll see what the game plan was. I just don't want to say it to us because
6: Fair enough, Everybody's Molly. Yeah, that's fair enough.
0: <laughs> Molly, tell me, if you could say your ambitions in the UFC, what would you say that you want to achieve?
5: I'm pretty sure this is the truth. There's never been an English female win at a fight in the UFC. So I'd like to be the first female English woman to win a fight in the UFC. I'd like to be a little bit of a role model and ambassador for female MMA in the UK. I'd like to...
1: Win a world title in the UFC, and
5: I'd like to fight in Madison Square Garden
1: dream big. I love that, Molly. Thank you for chatting to us, and we wish you all the best of luck for next weekend. We're going to be watching.
5: Well, I see you doing my Tuesday or post fight, helping the loud sculls running round with a pint of cider and all that.
1: Love that. Love Can't that. Wait. We we're sure. We're, we're, yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Molly. Enjoy your dinner. Good luck. <laughs> No problem, There are loads of you out there who enjoy watching UFC, but none more so than our next guest. It is this week's superfan, Taylor Kvacevic. How are you doing, Taylor?
6: Hi, I'm very good, thank you. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Great to have you on.
6: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us. So the first question I have for you is... Why UFC? What attracted you to it in the first place?
6: When I first started watching UFC, I kind of had to see it in like different spurts growing up because it wasn't as readily available as it is now. So I'd catch it from time to time when I was at a friend's house or an uncle's house. My uncle is quite into mixed martial arts. So every now and again, he would have it on. I think the first time it really caught my eye, I was watching a fight with Anderson Silva versus Vitor Belfort. And he kind of knocked him out with a front kick. And then from then on, I was kind of like a bit obsessed with watching it. And it was just a lot more exciting than boxing was at the time. Boxing was kind of the thing that I was really into before that. And then as soon as I found this, then it was kind of a bit more up my street, I think.
1: Have you ever had a go at it as well? You watch it, but have you actually got in the Octagon? (laughs)
6: <laughs> no not yet not yet i mean i have been thinking about it i ha- it did make me it did make me take up jujitsu actually for a while so i've been doing jujitsu for the last year or so like on and off and i find that a lot of fun but actually uh doing mixed martial arts itself i haven't quite gotten into it yet but i am planning to at some point yeah we'll,
1: we'll get jamie in the um, octagon with you i'm sure he'd love to take you on <laughs> yeah,
0: I tell you, I'm, gonna,
6: I'm gonna fight you in the octagon I can't lovely, wait. And you're lovely. a big
0: guy, so it's a long way to fall, buddy. Um, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Taylor, you know, UFC is a pretty aggressive sport. It's quite gruesome. What do you think about that?
6: If I'm honest, I know it's quite violent. I know I've watched it with some people who don't like to watch it because of that. But in terms of like a competitive sport, I don't think there's anything as competitive as that. I mean, it's one person versus another person. I really just view it for the competitive aspect of it. And I also find it incredibly interesting because as someone who's sort of grown up being interested in different martial arts like boxing, karate, taekwondo, you know, stuff like that. It's kind of interesting to see which martial art is the most effective, especially when it comes to a one-on-one type thing when one person has a different kind of uh, background. Um, to the other so it is just interesting to see what works against who
1: the event at the o2 is the next one that's coming up which we're all yes, it in, is. Pretty, yeah. pretty excited about it in terms of very the fighters yeah. who have you got your eye on
6: obviously darren till was in the main event yeah. and yep, darren yep. till is an incredible fighter he's fighting george masvidal who's also fantastic um i've been following george masvidal for a while very excited to see what darren till is going to do uh, we also have Nathaniel Wood, who's also from the UK, and he's a very interesting prospect. I remember watching his fights at Cage Warriors. He was very cool. I was very excited to see him in the, in the, in the UFC, and I'm very excited to see where he goes from there.
1: We just heard from him, and he's so oh, confident, you? it's unreal.
6: Oh, uh, incredible, incredible. So he should be. He's a brilliant fighter, very good fighter. Dominic Reyes, actually, is a very interesting one. He's a light heavyweight, and um, the light heavyweight division has kind of... Had a bit of a renaissance recently. There's loads of um, young up-and-coming fighters in the in the light like, heavyweight division, and he's one of them. And I'm very excited to see what he does in the future. He just beat St. Prue in his last fight, who's very, very good. So it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes from here.
0: Are you going to actually go to the O2, or are you going to get your projector screen ready, your <laughs> popcorn on, get your gloves uh, uh, ready, and loosen uh, up I wish, at home?
6: I wish. I think it's going to have to be the projector screen and the popcorn, I'm afraid. Um, oh, no! I know, right? I know, I know. I need, I need to find myself some tickets. But no, it's probably going to have to be the projector screen, I'm afraid. But next time they come to the UK, I'll definitely uh, keep my eye out for a ticket.
1: And have you got your mates into this as well? And they going to come around and watch or are you watching solo? <laughs>
6: I really got into it when I was uh, back at drama school. In my first year drama school was like when I really became like very obsessed with it. My friends that I was living with at the time, a couple of them got quite into it as well with me. Only a couple of them still like sort of pay attention to it. The others don't really. They're they're more football fans than MMA fans. But yeah,
0: <laughs> Taylor, I <laughs> could tell when you first came on the line that you were a thespian so am i i got a two two for theater beautiful. performance at lead. so beautiful beautiful we should just we should just fight but with words and
6: oh 100% it's the best way the it's best, the best way. way
0: to do it David, thank you so much uh for joining us today we really appreciate
6: awesome. it awesome thank you for having enjoy me enjoy really the fight you, having me. you guys too you guys too have a nice evening <laughs>
0: Rachel I hope you've been listening okay this is the final bout
4: we're in the last round here we go I'm ready yes it's the head in the game quiz Jamie Rachel are you ready oh here we go absolutely round one true or false Rachel UFC belts are plated with real gold True. it is true Jamie former UFC star Wesley Carrera is nicknamed cauliflower because of his ears no false False. He's nicknamed Cabbage because he looks like a Cabbage Patch Kid. Rachel, UFC's theme song on pay-per-view is called Smell the Glove. False. It is false. That was an album by Spinal Tab, of course. Jamie, at the first ever UFC event, a fighter had one of his teeth knocked out into the audience. True. True. The sumo wrestler Tyler Tooley lost the tooth after a kick to the head, which ended the fight after 26 seconds. He never fought again. Round two. UFC fighter or minor character from The Simpsons. Rachel, Ken Shamrock.
1: Simpsons.
4: No, UFC fighter. Jamie, Randy Couture.
0: UFC fighter.
4: Correct. Rachel, Jasper Beardley. Simpsons? Yes, lives at the retirement castle with Grandpa. Jamie, Bleeding Gums Murphy.
0: Gonna be Simpsons.
4: Yes, Simpsons blues musician. Final round, multiple choice. Rachel, UFC boss Dana White was so furious at a fighter wearing what at UFC 133 that he banned fighters from following suit A. Speedo swimming trunks B. Tutu C. Suspender belt A. Speedo swimming trunks Correct Jamie UFC fighter Jose Aldo gets another what every time he wins a fight A. Bentley car B. vimarana dog C. Tattoo of a skull Oh, C. Tattoo of a skull Is correct Rachel Which of these is a genuine UFC term? A. Rear naked choke B. Up front elbow C. Triangular mount A. Rear naked choke Is correct Oh, it's getting very close Final question to Jamie Which of these is a genuine UFC term? A. Back and smack B. Throw and blow C. Ground and pound C. Ground and pound Correct! Yes! And the winner is... It's a draw! Oh! Yes! Lucky,
0: lucky
1: I don't really know the Simpsons very well.
0: So that's about all we got time for this week. Yes, but please subscribe and review. Join our Facebook page, Head in the Game Podcast, and join us next week for March Madness. Until then, keep your head in the game. Oh yeah. ESPN. ESPN Head in
1: the Game. Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Somebody told me you are doing your first ever stand up comedy tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready for it.
1: Go on, what's your opening line?
0: Uh, I, I can give you a joke, alright, here <laughs> we go. Um, a snail walks into a bar and he says, I'm John and this is Michelle. <laughs> what? What?
4: "'Is a snail a mammal?'